Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 25th of October 2015, entitled, Who is on the Lord's Side? And the Bible reading is taken from Exodus chapter 32, verse 26. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. And I want to invite you to stand this morning as we read our theme verse, which we will be focusing around from Exodus Chapter 32, verse 26, the Word of God says, Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. Father, we thank you again this morning for your word. Lord, for the confidence of knowing that it's your spirit that lives and dwells within us that is going to be able to speak to our hearts today. Lord, I know better than any. I have no words that will accomplish anything this day, but I pray that your word through the power of your spirit would accomplish all that you seek to do. For in Christ's name we pray, amen, amen. Moses stood in the gate of the camp and ask a simple question, who is on the Lord's side? I believe that as we prepare even next week to celebrate the anniversary of this church, the gospel witness that has gone into this community, which began 84 years ago in 1931. And of course, down through these years, there have been many that have come and gone through these doors. There have been many that have been a part of this church and a part of this body here at Bethel. But I think as we read through this account today, my desire today is to challenge you. First of all, if you've never become a child of God, if you've never taken that step of faith that will put you on the Lord's side, I pray that today you would do that. But Christians... I think that it's a time that we need to confirm just whose side we are on. I can promise you, I believe that we can gain much from what we read here with Moses and the account of the nation of Israel that could help us in our day. But the question that must be asked today, who here is on the Lord's side? And of course, When Moses asked that question, we find that he also said something else to them. Who is on the Lord's side? And of course, when he asked that, they in turn were required to to respond. Who's on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. Let's make that clear. Whose side that you are on today? The thing is, is we don't know when the Lord's going to return. I don't know how many more years, but I do pray this. I pray that until his return, that the gospel light and the gospel witness would continue to go out from these doors. I've been privileged to be here 25 years this past July. Never dreamed it, never thought it, but God's had a purpose Many of you have been here for many, many years. Some of you are new and fresh. The thing is, there's only one side that it really matters. You see, you don't need to be on the preacher's side or the deacon's side or anybody else's side. You need to be on the Lord's side. And the truth is, only you can answer that question. But I'm asking you today, more than just uh, this inward emotional statement that you might make, I'm asking you today, just as Moses did when he challenged the nation of Israel here with that exact question, are you on the Lord's side? And I want you to come and stand with me because that's whose side that I'm on. And that's the side that it matters that we are on. What brought this question about? Let's turn back and let's look at this chapter 32 and let's try to glean a few things from us. And And of course, as we said here, first of all, we need to recognize that who is the person asking the question? Who is asking this question? Who is on the Lord's side? Well, here speaking to the people was Moses. 
Moses was the person that God was using to speak that. But we find as we read through that that was still not the real person that was asking them in their hearts, whose side are you on? Who is on the Lord's side? You see, today, maybe God is using me as his spokesman. I don't claim to be a Moses, by the way. But maybe God is using me as a spokesman today to ask that question to this, his people today. But we must understand it is God's word. And it is certainly God that has placed me here as a spokesman. And therefore, the real person asking the question today is God. But God asked many of his questions through others. Moses, first of all, we know that he was undoubtedly a man that was called of the Lord. A man that, after standing for what that he had believed in, after having to literally flee for his life to be able to even continue living in this world, after leaving everything behind, even his own nation, and, and then taking a Gentile bride, a working man, a man that became a shepherd and worked hard as a shepherd, working for his father-in-law, living a hard-working, ordinary life. But then one day, this hard-working, ordinary man that had had some pretty bad events take place in his life, some pretty challenging things that had taken place up to that time, suddenly the Lord called to him out of a burning bush. We find that when God called him, God called this man to do a specific task for him. Back in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 2, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. You see, when God called this man, to speak on his behalf, to speak for him. There was absolutely no doubt, and we could go around today. You see, in one sense, God has called each and every one of you as Christians to be his spokesman. The Bible actually calls you an ambassador, a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. An ambassador only has the authority to speak in the name of the government whom he represents, the sovereign, the power that is behind him being there. So in one sense, we are all called. When God gave us the commission, the command to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, I believe he gave that to the whole church. It's very clear in studying scriptures. That is a commission that is binding upon each and every one of us. But we need to understand also that God calls specific people for specific things. And in this case, he called Moses. And he had a specific job for Moses to do. And Moses knew that. And I'm sure as we go about today, that if you've been walking with God very long, there are those times when God has called you to do something. I've said this many times, that to understand the call of God is not something that you can explain or put in words. But if God hasn't called you, whether it's to pastor a church, to be an evangelist, to be a missionary, to do something specific in your life, then you'd better not undertake it and you'd better not do it. It's vital to know God's calling upon your life. Moses, first of all, was called of the Lord. God got his attention through a burning bush. God gets the attention of others through many different ways and God commissioned him. Once he called him, he commissioned him. In this case, he sent him to Egypt. He sent him on a particular task to lead the nation of Israel, to lead his people out of captivity and into freedom. Moses, he was called. He was commissioned. But you know, as God called him and as God sent him out to do that job, the only way that that job was accomplished because he was not only called and commissioned, he was controlled by Lord, the Lord. He was controlled by God. He wasn't controlled by his own ideas, his own feelings, his own emotions, his own abilities, his own inabilities. All those things were part of him, but that's not what controlled him. As we read through the book of Exodus, we see how this dear servant of the, of the Lord carries out his duties as set forth by God. He leads the nation of Israel 
as God directs him to lead, it's very easy for us to get into ourselves. <laughs> Where we want to go with this thing, what we want to do, what we think it ought to be. I'm saying to you, God's work. God, God's work needs people that are called by God. <laughs> we used to have a little country saying where I come from sometimes when things need to be made real simple. And, uh, and they used to say that there were too many mama called and papa sent preachers in the pulpits. Too many that was there because somebody else wanted them to do it. Because somebody else thought they would do a good job at it. Because somebody else had called them to do something that God had nothing to do with whatsoever. I'm saying, folks, if this church or any church or any work of God God needs men that are called of the Lord. And yes, ladies too, not to pastor the church, I'm afraid, but he has responsibilities and duties for all of us. And God himself is the one that must do the commissioning, the directing, and he must do the controlling. But you know, along with all of this, I have to warn you. And you know, again, I'm not a Moses, when I begin to look and read and understand what was going on in Moses' life here, we begin to grasp that, boy, if Moses could go through this, what in the world is there for us? Let's read God's word of this account, and then we'll notice a few other things. It says, and when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said to him, up, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we want not what has become of him. Now notice here, God has used this man. He was called of God. He was commissioned of God to do a specific thing. And he was controlled by God to do it. But now once that's been done, once the people have been led to that point, they're saying, well, you know, where's Moses? He's not here when we think that they, he was, he was up on the mount. Well, you know, they suddenly decide themselves, well, he's not here. We don't know what he's doing. So we need to take matters into our own hand. And Aaron said unto them, break off the golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons and of your daughters and bring them unto me. And all the people break off the golden earrings, which were in their ears and brought them unto Aaron. And he received him at their hand and fashioned with it a graving tool after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. How quick. You see, suddenly the man that God had called and commissioned and controlled to, to get them to where they were, suddenly they don't understand where he's at and what he's doing and why he's doing what he's doing, but he's not there right now, so they decide they need to do something else. Well, what they do they take unto themselves other gods. They suddenly, they take all this gold or values, they melt them down, they make this golden calf, and they say, this is our God. But not only that, they give him that golden calf that they just molded themselves. They're giving him the credit for what God has done in their past. He's the one that brought us up out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. This calf was their Lord at this point. Tomorrow we're going to have a feast. And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat, to drink, and rose up to play. They're having a feast. They're having a party with their new gods. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go, get thee down for thy people, which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. See, Moses is still with God. He's up on the mountain. They don't see it. They don't know what's going on, but he's with God. But suddenly God is still controlling Moses' life, and Moses says, Moses, it's time for you to get down there. Those people, your people, that you brought out of the land of Egypt for me, they've corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. That's very important. You see, who's on the Lord's side? Who's going in the Lord's way? Suddenly, uh, maybe they're too dependent on somebody else. And as soon as they're left on themselves, uh, they start looking for their own way and they start giving other things the credit. 
They are corrupting themselves. They are no longer following the paths of the Lord. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They're no longer walking in the Lord's way. They have made them a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed thereunto and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. I was letting Moses in on what the people have done. And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. What does that mean, a stiff-necked people? You know, they're, they're not willing to be controlled by God. They've gotten their own ideas, and they're going to do their own thing, and they're going to show people their own ways. He says, now therefore let me alone that my wrath may wax hot against them and that I may consume them and I will make of thee a great nation. Okay, Moses, they've gone away from me. They've corrupted themselves. They've not followed what they've been told, what they've been taught. They're not following my path at all. They're a stiff-necked people that have decided to do their own thing and go their own way. Best thing for me to do is just wipe them out and still use you, Moses, to take and build me a great nation. What does Moses do? Moses besought the Lord his God. He said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, for mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Why, what are people going to say? I mean, if you do this to them now, everybody's just going to be like, see, God brought them out of Egypt just so he could kill them somewhere else. Turn thee from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants, to whom thou swearest by thine own self, and saidst unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. Now, I don't understand everything I just read there. And if you do, I would really appreciate it if you could let me in on some of the secret. But I can give you the gist, even though I don't understand why God does the things he does and why he does them the way he does. But here his people have turned and they've got themselves all stick-knit. They're pride. They're going to do their own thing. They're their own stuff. They're going out there. And God says, hey, you know, this is not a people that I can use. I just need to move them out of the way and, and, and we need to get somebody else. But Moses goes praying on their behalf. Now, you see, I try in one hand, I said, well, God, God knows everything. I mean, God even knew before he led them out of the land of Egypt that they would turn into a stiff-necked people that wouldn't continue to follow him, that would end up out there taking something else to be their God and giving that other God the credit for what he had done for them. God knew all that. That didn't catch him by surprise. And yet, God also knew that he would apparently, he says here, and the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. I mean, I, I don't really understand all that. I know that here was something that somehow when we try to put this in, God, just like Sodom and Gomorrah, God knew all that would happen. But God knew in that case that Abraham was going to come and he was going to, to pray on behalf of those others. Here, it was Moses that was praying on behalf and pleading God, give them another chance. What are people going to think? Look at all that you've already done for them. If they just get wiped out now, said, God, please give them another chance. God repented. God went another direction. Now, God already knew that he was going to do that, and yet it is evident that Moses' prayer made a difference. I can't put all that together, but I know this. It shows us the reality that when we are walking with God, our prayers make a difference. We find that the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. Moses turned and went down from the mount. The two tables of the testimony were in his hand. What was, what was in his hand? The tables were written on both their sides and on the one side and on the other were they written. God's law. You see, God had his man that he had called, that he had commissioned, that he had controlled. 
God had him out there on the mountain. Now, the people didn't know where he was at and what was going on, but God was giving him his law to give to that people. The people decided to do their own thing. Well, here's Moses. He's coming back down the mountain now after begging and pleading with God to, to spare them, and he's got God's law. And you know what was interesting when he was praying? When he was praying there to God, he was reminding God of his promises. <laughs> you promised to do this. You promised Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. You promised them, God. We find that many times when we go to God, there is no greater foundation for our prayers to be built upon than upon God's word, God's promises, what he said. That's what, when Moses was praying, that's what he was falling back on, God. Look at these promises you made. I don't understand all this. I know they've messed up, but God, please. And here, he's sending Moses down. Moses is going down. He's got the word of God, the law of God on those tablets. And the tables were the work of God. And the writing was the writing of God, graven upon the tables. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said unto Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp. Here's Moses and Joshua, and Joshua says, Moses, this sounds like a war is going on. And he said, it is not the voice of them that shout for mastery, neither is it the voice of them that cry for being overcome, but the noise of them that sing do I hear. I hear all this noise, but hey, wait a minute. It's not somebody fighting a battle. These people are singing. And it came to pass as soon as he came nigh to the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing and Moses' anger waxed hot and he cast the tables out of his hand and break them beneath the mountain. Now, as I read this, it grasped me. Now, God has already gone to Moses there on the mountain and he's already prepared Moses. He's told Moses what his people are doing, that they've turned away. Yet that still, it didn't really prepare him to the point when Moses saw it with his own eyes. He was the one that was praying and begging God, God, kindle that anger. Don't wipe them out. Give them another chance. When Moses actually saw physically that these people that God had done so much for, and yet he saw what they were doing, the Bible says that he was angry. And Moses' anger waxed hot. And he cast the tables out of his hands and break them beneath the mount. And he took the calf which they had made and burned it in the fire and ground it to powder and strawed it up on the water and made the children of Israel drink of it. I tell you what, he was pretty upset with him and there was no missing his anger. And Moses said unto Aaron, why did this people unto thee what did this people unto thee that thou hast brought so great a sin upon them? Aaron, you were supposed to be in charge. You were supposed to be watching over them while I was away. Aaron, what in the world is going on here? How could you let this happen? And Aaron said, let not the anger of my Lord wax hot. Thou knowest the people that they are set on mischief. Moses don't get so angry. You know what the people are like. You know that they're going to do mischief things. Notice this. For they said unto me, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we, we want not what has become of you. Aaron, help us here. Help us make some gods. We don't know what's happened to Moses. And I said unto them, whosoever hath any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it me. Then I cast it into the fire. Notice the next words. And there came out this calf. <laughs> God, they come to me and they're telling me how, how bad things are and that they, they you know, that they, they need this. And so I tell them, you know, well, bring me all your gold and, and whatnot. And he said, I cast it into the fire and poof, out came this calf. Well, it did come out of the gold that went into that fire, but it didn't exactly just kind of pop out on its own. And there came out this calf. <laughs> and when Moses saw the people were naked, for Aaron had made them naked unto their shame among their enemies. Then, that's the setting. Here are these people that God has done so much for. Here's these people that, you know, we have to keep in mind that 
we have one enemy. His name is Satan. We try to make all kinds of people our enemies. We have one enemy. Now, that enemy uses a lot of different people, but you need to keep in mind, and I've shared this with you before. You want to be able to love your enemies. You want to be able to pray for those that despitefully use you. You want to be able to have the right attitude toward those who are bent on hurting you, on harming you, on tearing you down spiritually. Then remember, it's Satan that's trying to destroy you. It's Satan that's using that person. It's Satan that's getting your attitude wrong, that's getting your thinking wrong. If they're being used of Satan to get to you, then you need to be praying for them, that Satan wouldn't be controlling their lives, but that God would have control of it. So here's all these people. They're, 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 they're naked. they got no clothes on because Aaron had made them naked, it says, and to their shame among their enemies. Then, in the midst of this, Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? The world is taking you the wrong direction. You've gone away from the things that God has taught you, the things that God has, has shown you. Who is on the Lord's side? You see, the person that God was using here, God was using Moses. He was called to the Lord, commissioned, controlled. But I want to tell him something else, and this goes for all of you. I know as a pastor, I'm not a Moses, but I know this. I know that, that the only way that you'll not fail and the only way that you'll not be criticized, well, it, it don't even work then. I started to say if you do nothing. <laughs> but you know, somebody will criticize you for that as well. So you can't get away from criticism no matter what you do. You can do something. You cannot do something. You're going to be criticized. And here was Moses out of this lot, in this case, he was out there trying to do his best with God. Yeah, he's messing up. He's getting angry with them and, and all this. But at the same time, he's out there. He's along with God. God is still using him, controlling his life. These people have gone away from God, and yet these are the people, the very people that had criticized him right down through all of this. I can give you a few examples. You see, when they found bitter water at Marah, guess whose fault it was? Moses. Exodus 15, 23 and 24, when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? When they were hungry. Hmm. That's Moses' fault. And they took their journey from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came into the wilderness of Sid, which is between Elam and Sinai, and on the 15th day of the second month after their departing out of the land of Egypt, and the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Okay, so the water's not good. That's Moses' fault. They don't have enough food. That was Moses' fault. How about Exodus 17, 1 and 2? And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys according to the commandment of the Lord and pitched in Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. Wherefore, the people did chide with Moses. and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, Why chide ye with me? Wherefore do you tempt the Lord? We find that even when they messed up, they were disciplined, judged for what they had done wrong. Guess whose fault that was? Numbers 11, 2. And the people cried unto Moses. And when Moses prayed unto the Lord, the fire was quenched. When the spies reported about all these giants in Canaan, when they went in, Numbers 14, 2. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron and the whole congregation said unto them, would God that we have died in the land of Egypt or would God we had died in the wilderness? I wish we were just dead. This is all that Moses' fault. And they got discouraged. Numbers 21, verses 4 to 6. They journeyed from the Mount Mahor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way and the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. 
The people sent fire, and, and the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Moses' fault. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying this. Yes. I realize that, yeah, boy, if they could find stuff to criticize Moses for, man, are they going to have a lot to criticize me for. And just some of that criticism on valid things, of course, of course. What I want you to realize, too, is this. If you stand up to count to do something for the Lord, you're going to be criticized. You're going to be criticized. Probably when things go right, it's going to be the false god that did that. It's going to be somebody that gets the credit for it. But when things go wrong, it's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. People look for somebody to blame. Who is on the Lord's side? Moses was on the Lord's side. And Moses said, who else is on the Lord's side? Come unto me. Stand up and be counted for the Lord. That's hard to do sometimes, isn't it? Oh, all kind of reasons. Maybe because there's a little stiff neckedness there. And, ah, oh, you know, it's Moses that's wanting us to do this, so we're not going to do it. <laughs> sometimes it's just because you think you got it all figured out yourself. You don't need Moses or God. <laughs> you got it all down pat. The truth is this. There are always going to be those, those people just like Moses that are on the Lord's side. Not perfect people by any stretch of the imagination. You know, Moses was a murderer in his past. <laughs> you know, many people have all kind of bad things in their past. The past isn't what matters. It's the present, where you are right now in your life that matters. People. It was a person that God used to ask this question, and it was people that were being asked to stand up and to be counted. What was the purpose of the question? Why was Moses asking that question? Well, we could certainly say because of sin. You see, the people were impatient. The people wanted what they wanted when they wanted it. The people were not willing to wait on God. They weren't willing to wait on Moses. And you know, the thing is this, all kind of things are going through their minds. But who is it that's doing it? It's Satan. We don't know where Moses is. He don't care about us. He's not. He's off probably, you know, just maybe sunning up on the beach somewhere. You know, he's, he's on holiday in some exotic place. We don't know where Moses is. You know, we need to sort things out for ourselves. We need to do it our own way. There are always those that are being controlled by God, but the devil's going to try to get others to come up with some other idea. People. God deals with people. It's people that he saves. Of course, it was people that had sinned. They fell into sin. They fell into idolatry. They fell into ungodliness. Why? Because they were no longer following the Lord's way. Because they were impatient because they wanted everything right now perfect. They wanted everything the way it ought to be. You see, many people get discouraged because they're not already having things like it's going to be in the millennium, like it's going to be in heaven one day. They want it now. They want utopia. They want everything perfect as it ought to be in their lives. They're not willing to wait upon the Lord. We find that not only sin... But certainly, I think that separation had a lot to do with this. You see, they were allowing themselves to be influenced so many times. The nation of Israel made that same mistake, allowing themselves to be influenced by the ungodly world around them. We find that in some cases, they were just totally, totally contrary to God. At other times... They were just compromisers. Folks, God has told us clearly. 2 Corinthians 6, 17, Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith who? Saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, 
the truth is this. The world is always going to be putting things there to try to get our attention, to try to, to get us to want it, to try to get us to reach out and to touch it. The devil's trying to destroy that relationship. I believe that God asked each and every one of us, from the pastor to everybody else here today, who is on the Lord's side? Who is really on the Lord's side? I can promise you this, that the only reason that this church still exists is because, thank God, there have been people here on the Lord's side. The only reason we're here today is because there's people that are on the Lord's side. And I'm not saying, matter of fact, I know for a fact that none of those people then and none of those people now are perfect people. But there's a big, big difference in our imperfections and our failings. We're trying to walk the path that God has given us and we're doing the things that God has given us to do and we fail because we get in the flesh instead of the spirit. We will always fail then. But we know whose side we're on. We're willing to be counted on his side. And if there is a future for you or for this church, it's going to be because somebody is willing to stand up and be counted and say, yes, I really am on the Lord's side. You find that the people that God was dealing with here, it's the people that are being asked that question, but there is a very specific purpose behind that question. Don't you find it pretty uncomfortable sometimes when you have to ask yourself some of those hard questions, <laughs> when you really have to ask yourself, whose side are you on in this? Where are you? What are you doing? Where do you fit into the equation at? You see, you'll never, ever, ever, you'll never be used of God unless you're willing to stand up and to be counted, yes, I'm on the Lord's side. You see, we find the people that this question was asked of and that asked this question, we find the purpose of this question, but I want to give you finally the precipitate of this question. You want the precipitate? It's the result. It's what comes out of something that's specifically traceable back to a cause. This is what it precipitates. This question we see the people of this question, the people that God is using to ask it, the people that God's asking it of. We see the purpose behind it for them to recognize their sin, to recognize they need to be separated from these, these things that have gotten their attention. We find that they need to declare themselves to take a stand with the Lord. What did Moses ask? Who is on the Lord's side? Let him Come unto me. I don't, I don't really know how to say it, except I don't care if it's me or you or whoever it is. Commitment can be tough sometimes because commitment requires something. We, we first, first of all, when the question is asked, the people have to stand up and be counted. It's not something that they can just stay in the background. And we'll see what happens to those that just want to kind of sit back and not make a choice here. He tells us very clearly what happens. You see, when the question is asked, you will declare an answer one way or the other. Who is on the Lord's side? Come unto me. Come on. Stand up and be counted. Because you will either declare yourself on God's side or you will be destroyed by the ungodly. You see, notice what happens here. And notice what I mean. He asked this question in verse 26. Verse 27, and he, well, in verse 26, And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto them. Here are these and said, Okay, I'm willing to stand up and be counted. I'm on the Lord's side. And he said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, 
Put every man his sword by his side and go in and out from gate to gate throughout the camp and slay every man his brother and every man his companion and every man his neighbor. And the children of Eli did according to the word of Moses and there fell of the people that day about 3,000 men. For Moses had said, Consecrate yourselves today to the Lord, even every man upon his son and upon his brother, that he may bestow upon you a blessing this day. Stand up, be counted for the Lord, and receive a blessing. It came to pass on the morrow that Moses said unto the people, You have sinned a great sin. Now I will go up unto the Lord peradventure. I shall make an atonement for your sin. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Oh, this people have sinned a great sin and have made them gods of gold. Yet now if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou hast written. And the Lord said unto Moses, Whosoever hath sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. You say, but preacher, we've all sinned against God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. He said to Moses, them that have sinned, I will blot out of my book. May I say to you once again this morning, unashamedly, yes, we have all sinned, but your sin can be covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. And it's no longer there. I mean, it's gone. It's wiped out. It's finished. It's as far as the east is from the west. It is no more remembered against you, full stop. You see, the only way that your sin is not visible is when it's under the blood. God cannot allow sin to go unpunished. God cannot allow sin into heaven today. It's got to be under the blood. Therefore, now go. Lead the people into the place of which I have spoken unto thee. Behold, mine angel shall go before thee. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. And the Lord plagued the people because they made the calf which Aaron made. Who is on the Lord's side? We can genuinely declare ourselves, yes. Notice, this question is sent from God through people that he's chosen, to the people that he wants to speak to, we find that God does call. God does commission and send us to do a work, and we've all been commissioned to a certain work and some to specific works. God calls. God commissions, but God must control. God must control us in what we do, not ourselves. We sang about it earlier, do we mean it? Is God in control of our lives? You'll be criticized. There's no question about it. You will be criticized. And you know, sometimes you're human. Sometimes if people want to criticize, want to murmur, the thing was, if you notice, there was ever time when, when things were a bit bad, when things weren't going as they should go, when they were a bit discouraged, when anything was wrong, then they began to murmur and they began to talk and they began to criticize who got us into this mess. That's part of being the people of God. But God has a purpose in asking that question to them and he has a purpose today. Sin, separation, that's what, that's what keeps us just like this people. They were following the right path, but they drifted. God wants us to recognize where it is that we need to recommit ourselves, that we need to declare ourselves to be on his side. First of all, through being saved through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's the only way that our sins could be covered. But there was also disciplinary judgment that came against God's people there because they chose the way of the world. Today, God will discipline us. There's correction that may come. But the most important thing I want you to see today is, look, you'll decide whose side you're on, which path that you're going to follow, whether you're going to follow the Lord's path or your path. I can declare to you without any hesitation today, God wants to bless you more than you can even begin to imagine. He wants to just pour out his blessings on you. 
He wants to be able to use you to do things that you can't even imagine. He wants to accomplish things that are totally, completely, utterly impossible for you. He wants to do things through this church that are totally, completely, utterly impossible for man. But God will do things with your life. And with this church, if somebody will stand up and declare themselves to be on God's side and mean it from their heart, who is on the Lord's side? That's the only thing that's going to give us a clear future. That's the only thing that will give you a clear future. It's the only thing that will give this church a clear future. So I leave you with that question today. Who is on the Lord's side? Who is willing to declare themselves on the Lord's side here today? You see, I thank God that in spite of all the sins they committed, despite of how they wavered, despite how they totally disgraced God, God's mercy was still there. God's mercy is still here today. His mercy is here for you. He knows you see, the thing I want you to grasp today is not what you can't do, not what you have done, but who's on the Lord's side today? Who will let God control their lives and do what he wants to do? You see, that's what's going to make a difference in your future. You might be a good person that can accomplish some grand things that people might pat you on the back for, but nothing in comparison to what God can and will do through you if he totally controls your life. Today, who is on the Lord's side? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I ask you very simply and very quickly, I'm not going to linger. Are you here today? And I ask that question, who is on the Lord's side? You can't honestly raise your hand because you know that you've never truly been born again. You've never got your sins under the blood. So therefore, your name will be blotted out of God's book because of the sin that God sees. But in Jesus, all that sin is wiped out. Today, is there one anywhere that would slip your hand up and say, Pastor, I don't have that certainty of knowing that my sins have been blotted out. But I certainly don't want my name blotted out of God's book. Would you please pray for me? Anyone? Anywhere? I'm not going to embarrass you. God bless this hand. You can put your hand down. Anyone else? You care enough, but you don't have that certainty. No looking around, children, young people. No looking around. Do you know? You can know today. I realize in your mind is a powerful thing, and Satan will use it if he can. But I'm telling you, you can have absolute certainty of knowing today because you know God's Word is truth and you act upon His Word by calling upon Him, by believing and knowing in your heart that what Jesus Christ did on Calvary's hill, He did for you. And that is sufficient for a holy God by His grace to allow His Son to pay for your sins. Is there anyone else? You don't have that certainty but you'll at least say, pray for me, please. I don't know with certainty, but I would appreciate your prayers. I'm going to ask you another question, and I want you to think hard about this because, you see, it doesn't do anything for me today, but I'm going to ask you right now, just as Moses did the people then, who's on the Lord's side? Who here today will be counted who lift up your hand and say, yes, I declare myself on the Lord's side. I, I know I'm weak. I know I mess up. I know I'm on the Lord's side. That's the side. Would you slip your hand up right now if you declare that and mean it from your heart? I'm on the Lord's side. I'm on the Lord's side. Father, you know the hearts. And Lord, that's all I can ask for. Lord, I, I know. I know that this message spoke strongly to me when Reread these verses again. I know you spoke to my heart. Lord, and I trust and pray that by your spirit that you've spoken to hearts here today. Lord, you've seen the hands raised that don't have that certainty of knowing 
that their sins have been blotted out. Oh, Lord, I pray today, let that person not allow that to slip aside. Help them to declare today, I want to be on the Lord's side, and I want to know that I'm on the Lord's side, and I know the only way is by declaring my allegiance to him and trusting in what Jesus Christ did for me. Help them, Lord, to do that this day. Lord, it's not some religious ritual that will save them. It's crying out from their heart with total belief in Jesus Christ, asking for a mercy they don't deserve, for forgiveness that can only come because Jesus paid the price. And Lord, you've seen the hands of all these that belong to you today. Who is on the Lord's side? And just like the sons of Levi did when Moses asked the question, well, they've raised their hands. They've stood up to be counted. They're saying, I'm on the Lord's side. Lord, I pray that you'd honor that because I believe with all of my heart. I believe that your hand has been upon this place through these many years. I know without a shadow of a doubt that you've had us here. And Lord, I know that until the Lord's return, Lord, that you have a future, you have a purpose. Lord, I thank you for each of these. I pray and lift them before you today. Pray that, Lord, what they are declaring today, they would not take lightly. They would mean it from their innermost being. Lord, that they would act upon it. Lord, I pray that just as Moses did, they would listen to your call. They would be obedient to your commission. Lord, they would be under your control. I pray that you'd do that for them today because I know, Lord, I know that you'll do mighty and wonderful things through them if they'll just put themselves in your hand. And Lord, if these people do that, then I believe that this congregation as a whole has a future, a future that others would be brought into the kingdom, a future that others would declare themselves to be on your side. These things we ask in Jesus' name for his sake. Amen. Amen.